Welcome back, BizTalk Buzzers. Gracie's cringing as I say this. Um, let me know if that's a sufficient name for our BizTalk family. I like it. I'd love a t-shirt that just says buzzers. Maybe like a little Buzzer. bee on it or something. Yes. Mascot. Let's adopt yeah. a bee. We just have to make sure it's not copyright or anything. That's, that's fair. But welcome back. I'm Savannah. I'm Gracie. And we have a very special guest this episode. We actually got to talk to Danielle Musselman, which if you're not familiar with her, she is uh, very involved in the Fayetteville, um, Arkansas community. She is the wife of um, Eric Musselman, our basketball coach here at the University of Arkansas, but she's also so much more. And I think sitting down with her and kind of like breaking through all her layers was so interesting. Like I've never seen someone who's more motivated, more uh, just excited to help out the community. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as I was, because I didn't, unfortunately, didn't get to sit in in the interview. Um, but I like, I know that you and Jackie did an amazing job. Um, but as I was doing research on her, she does like seven hundred million things. Yeah, and I feel like I'm. Um, struggling to balance uh, my life and it's not very big Um, and so just like seeing all of the philanthropy work she does and also her career itself is Mm -hmm. really impressive Um, and I just I it's it's it was just really cool that that she was willing to talk to us so and we did kind of talk about I thought it was interesting she brought up the point to be super flexible no matter like what career you're going into because we talked a lot about you know she was a person who kind of picked up everything and just said okay I'm gonna move to Connecticut I believe it was Mm -hmm. and I'm gonna start my sports anchor career and she talked about growing up that that wasn't really her thing she did not like moving around Mm -hmm. but you kind of get used to it and at a certain point I don't know if it's just like you just, it's kind of like self-growth or something mm-hmm. like that. But now she's in a place which I thought was kind of special. Um, she's in a place where she really loves Fayetteville, and she okay. said she would like her daughter to grow up here. So she hopes Eric wins enough games for that to happen. <laughs> and we'd certainly love to see that happen too. Mm-hmm. So um, we did ask her a question about um, company culture, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which we will get into a little bit later. But... Um, Biz Talk family, that is our theme for the next semester. Ta-da. I don't, probably shouldn't do a drum roll to mess with the audio, but theoretical drum roll. Yes, exactly. Um, but we will leave you at that. I hope you enjoyed this interview, and thank you to Danielle Musselman for taking time out of her busy, 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 busy schedule to sit down with us and kind of dive deeper into empathy in sports. to Walton Biz Talk, a student-run podcast where we have casual conversations about professional things. This podcast is powered by the Business Communication Lab at the Sam M. Walton College of Business. I'm your new host, Savannah Rubino, and this season we're taking a crash course into empathy and how it has become the ultimate business buzzword. I'm here with my co-host, Jackie. Hey guys, great to be back. And we have a very special guest today. We're here with Danielle Musselman. Um, If you're not yet familiar with her, Danielle Musselman has worked as an on-air sports broadcaster at Fox Sports, ESPN, the NFL Network, 
and Yahoo Sports, as well as for two or three Super Bowls and a brief stint on Comedy Central. Now she describes herself as the current GM of Hashtag Team Muscleman and plays an important role behind the scenes of the Razorback Hoop Nation. Outside of sports, she's also heavily involved in the Fayetteville, Arkansas community and was recently named to the board of directors of the New Beginnings NWA nonprofit, nonprofit organization. So... I have to say, Danielle, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Um, when we first got the idea to do Empathy as a theme for this semester's podcast, I really wanted to do an episode on sports because I think it's a really interesting space to have like the empathy conversation. Um, something that I've noticed is that there kind of seems to be like an empathy disconnect sometimes between like the athlete and the audience. So sometimes, you know, we see... Um, athletes as more like performers almost machines kind of than real humans with real emotions that go home to their families every night and on one hand it's really interesting because we have half of the sports journalism space that's like trying to move away from that and acknowledge that and disengage from that and then on the other hand we have a lot of people who are like buying into it what gets the views what gets the clicks so I'm, I would I'd be really interested to hear what do you think of when you think of empathy, whether it be in your line of work or in your day-to-day -day life. What do you think? Well, you're right on um, with your uh, saying that there's a disconnect. I think that um, lack of empathy is one of the major problems in our society today. Um, and personally, I honestly think a lot of that comes from social media. Oh, yeah. um, it's, you know, it's basically whenever you, in my opinion, where you don't understand where someone else is coming from, and so therefore you don't have you don't have any empathy for their situations and th different things that they may do. Okay. And um, I pride myself on having lived in a bunch of different places and just really being exposed to a lot of different types of people, whether that is race, sexuality, um, profession. I mean, just um, you know, political background, all of that. So I just really think that I have. Um, I've just met a lot of different people and through my career and then now um, through Eric's career as a college basketball coach, you meet people on every year we get a new crop of players and they just come from different backgrounds and different life situations that honestly are things that I never could even imagine. And so, you know, sometimes whenever they do something, it's if, if I didn't have empathy, I would be judging them in a different way than me right. knowing their background and what they've gone through and you kind of look at things in a different way and I think that a lot of people don't take the time to do that um, and yeah that's a big problem in society right now yeah yeah I think that's a big part of it is like uh, understanding that people's behavior has like a source you know and that's kind of where empathy comes in especially like you were saying with different players and different people coming from different backgrounds so I really like that point that you made yeah, um, yeah so uh, I had a question. So I'm a big sports fan. I grew up watching sports with my dad, like, my entire career. Or, not career, childhood. So sorry. <laughs> um, so I just wanted to ask you, what interested you most about, like, communications, and what made you gravitate towards, like, sports specifically? Well, looking back, it's funny. I never realized it growing up, but I was, like, always the kid who was doing public speaking. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I was in plays, and I would be the one, you know, wanting to do the radio announcements and those different things. So I... I did not realize until I was older that that was actually a gift that I've always had and something that I always kind of pursued, but I never looked at it like that. I was just like, this is kind of what I like to do. 
Um, and But I've always loved sports. I played sports, you know, my entire childhood. My dad was a huge sports fan, and so I was a person that was constantly going to, you know, MLB games and um, just all sorts of stuff like that. So it's always been something that was ingrained in me, but I didn't really put it all together until I was a sophomore in college. And when I first went to school, I went to Florida State. I mm-hmm. thought it. I thought that I wanted to go to film school. It's funny, I laugh now, oh. but... Um, and then I took a few classes and I was like, no, this isn't what I want to do. And I don't know. I think I, I don't know if I took a journalism class or what it was, but, um, I realized really early on, I, I like remember like almost a light bulb moment when I was about 19 and I knew that I wanted to be a sports journalist. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. We're like right around that age, kind of figuring out where our careers are going. And we do a lot of that too. We're the business communication lab. So like we put on every year, like a speaker of the year event and like we, um, tutor students all the time and help them like grow and become better writers, speakers, presenters. So that's really cool that you can like shine light on that kind of communications. I think it's so important and such um, like something that a lot of people don't think about in any career that's so important to have um, as a trait. So it's really cool that you have that. But I wanted to kind of like gear backwards a little bit because you were talking about like the empathy aspect where you know having that um background knowing a ton of different people and it really just gives you like a better understanding of why people do the things that they do and that sort of thing so you mentioned in your um amp interview that there's a lot of working parts to sports and like you like to um be a part of the recruiting process like you like to get your hands on anybody anytime you can to make sure that they feel like at home and taken care of so what value does empathy specifically you think play in recruiting and retaining those players yeah honestly I think it 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 kind of it depends on the player you know what I mean some kids every I tell everyone I give all the kids that come in are my phone number, all the parents my phone number, and then, you know, out of those 15, you might get five that never call you, five that call you once in a while, and then five that you hear from all the time. And so everybody needs something different, and I think that's where the empathy sets in. And um, you, you know, you meet these kids, you get to know them, you kind of see where their um, strong points are in life. And, I mean, my stuff that I'm all talking about is off-the-court stuff. Um, you know, is this person good at school? Is this person, does this person hate school? You know, is this person that's going to, you're going to need to check on a little bit more just to make sure that they're going to class or um, whatever it is. And, you know, like whenever we were at the University of Nevada, my husband really kind of lived off of the transfer transfer portal. We didn't have a lot of freshmen um, our entire four years there. We had very few freshmen. And it was so funny, his first recruiting class here at Arkansas, we had four freshmen and even that was a different dy- dynamic because they're so much, they're so young. Mm-hmm. And I remember the first time we had like a barbecue at our house, the four of them stayed for like hours. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone else had left and they were like, well, let's swim now. Let's, uh, you said we were going to make s'mores. <laughs> you know so what I mean? Because they're 17 and 18 year old kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and so even that is different. And then this crop that we have in, now we have six freshmen, which we have never experienced that before. So that's going to be different. And, um, you know, I have two stepsons who both went away to college. University of San Diego in a place where we didn't live and I just noticed with both of them the very first year especially that first semester they were like at my mother-in-law's house like all the time she lives there whether it was to just like hang out or to get dinner or to maybe just wash clothes whatever it was and then eventually they you know found their friends and then they she like never 
saw them. You know what I mean? And so we just want to be like that place where you can go whenever, especially whenever you're first making that transition to college. I mean, you guys know, Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's a lot at first, you Mm -hmm. know, and sometimes you just maybe want to get away and just get a meal, wash clothes or whatever it is. And, um, so we really preach that family atmosphere. And so, you know, I'm part of that family. That's so awesome. Yeah. I was a BCL mentor, um, for Walton here. So, uh, we had a couple of freshmen that we had to mentor kind of through the like first semester of their freshman year. And so that was kind of, um, like a adjusting to the place kind of thing that you're yeah. mentioning and, totally. um, it was an awesome experience. So, Yeah, I'm curious to know, so you've been on the corporate side, and now you have, like, a bigger role, and, like, just kind of you get to build relationships with people and maintain them, and both parts are both really special. What do you think business leaders can learn from, like, team culture, and how can they maybe, like, integrate that into having a more effective workplace? Like, if you were to go back into that corporate space. Yeah, well, there's an awesome um, statistic, and I don't know it exactly, but it has to do with the percentage of CEOs that played high school sports. And it's really? a very, very high percentage. And so it's not necessarily meaning like that you were the star baseball player at your high mm-hmm. school, but it does mean that you're a part of a team and you learn different things. And um, those carry over into like no matter what it is your business is. Um, so, you know, teamwork honestly is number one because it's, it's just it, nothing's going to work without teamwork. And leadership, just all these different things that happen with a team, you can take them out of a team and you can put them in any office setting. Um, But like I said, teamwork and leadership are just, you know, a few. And if you look at like the way that any season is going to go, it's going to, you know, it's going to go like this. And you think about what what a business is going to look like or what an office is going to look like. And it's going to, you know, it's going to be a roller coaster with highs and low points. So, you know, getting through those high and low points in a season is the same as getting through those higher low points in business. You know, it it all, it all really is the same. It's just a different setting that you're working out of. That's a really interesting take. I don't think I've ever thought, I mean, we've had like uh, management classes where we talk about teamwork here in Walton, um, but I've never really applied it in that sense. And that's like a really great way. I think um, a lot of people could use some perspective change on that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's no matter what you do. If you think, think if you're running a clothing store, you're going to have, if you have a bad month, you know, you could equate that to a losing streak, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. you know, or a, a store manager that is a really good leader or, you know, just all, you're going to have a star, mm-hmm. you're going to have a rookie, um, no matter what setting you're in. Mm-hmm. I, I was thinking while you were talking about like all your different experiences so far, I think it's such a cool full circle moment that you started your career reporting on these like super well-established high-profile athletes, and now you get to kind of go back to the beginning and be a part of the beginning of all of these college athletes' careers and be such, like, a monumental aspect in their growth. So yeah. I, I think that's so cool. Do you ever think about that? I feel like I, just... Well, it's, it's funny because I, I never expected to kind of, like, be on the other side right. of, you know, of sports. To be Never did I think I was going to be on the other side of sports. And um, the coolest thing about it is, you know, if you are working in sports, you're a sports fan, you know, but you don't get to really be a sports fan. You're not allowed to cheer in the media box. You know what I mean? So it's really cool to be able to be on the side where I can also just be a fan, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And it's so special how 
you talked about like I don't think a lot of people know like how close you guys are like your team and how it's a family and I think that's so important especially because there's this mental health stigma among athletes and it's it's I think social media has brought a little more light to it but I think if we think recently it's become a hot topic with like all eyes on like the Beijing 22 Olympics earlier this year like we want to reference Simone Biles and Naomi Osaka as examples of young women who have been challenged with dealing with criticism from the media at such a young age. So how do you believe sports journalism can bridge that empathy gap? Oh, goodness. I, I, I mean, I like to think that it's possible, but I think there are too many journalists that are not going to put things like breaking a story on the back burner mm-hmm. um, and put, you know, caring about someone as a human being first. It, it's just, we're just not there. And, um, I look at, I mean, just even recently, I think it was last week, it was a track athlete, I think at the University of Wisconsin that just committed suicide. And then there was a soccer athlete at Stanford that just committed suicide. Um, So this stuff is real. You know, this stuff is real. And over the years, Eric's been a head coach for now seven years. I mean, I can probably count on two hands the number of athletes that have struggled with mental health issues over that time. And so I just think that... You mentioned it when we first started, that people do not realize that these are real people with real problems. You know what I mean? And they also have things going on that are not related to just the sport that they're playing, and people don't think about that either. It's like, you know what? If this person's girlfriend broke up with them, or if this person just lost a grandparent or lost uh, you know, a parent or had any, any sort of issues, you know, that's their real life. And, you know, maybe that's why they had a bad game. And so maybe let's think of these things before you're getting online and bashing people. And um, the social media not only brings it to light, but I also think it's on the other side. I really do think that that is also part of the cause of some of these mental health issues. And it's not just from journalists writing articles or, you know, or people mean tweeting or all this kind of stuff. I mean, uh, our athletes, they love social media. They love to use social media. They're on it all the time, which is a great thing, especially now that they can monetize it and they can connect with fans. And I mean, Bud Walton was sold out last season. Part of that is because of social media. And we're very open as a family as far as being on social media. But also I think that, um, especially for people your age, they're you have less real personal connections with people than you used to, like in my generation where you didn't have any of that. The only people you know, you actually know, you know? And so how often do you say, oh, I talked to this person when really you commented on their post? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know what I mean? You didn't really talk to them. And I've noticed even, you know, my daughter's in sixth grade and I've um, noticed that she has met people online, you know, like through social media and then, she'll be meeting them in person at a game and I'll say, Oh, you know, how did you meet this person? And she's like, Oh, on Instagram. And I'm like, oh, but gosh. you're 12, <laughs> you know? So it's just, um, she's already networking. Yeah, I know. She's network- <laughs> <laughs> so it's just, it's a lot to navigate. It's, it really is a lot to navigate. And I think you don't even maybe even realize that you don't have as many real personal connections as you think you do, but you, you know, whenever, like how many people do you really see, how often do you pick up the phone and call people, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I think we've really drifted away from that as a society, and it's kind of scary in a way. I mean, like you were saying, like, your 12-year-old daughter, sometimes I feel like that could be overwhelming. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I don't know, just... It's interesting. So insightful, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Um, on the flip side, how did you deal with criticism as your time during a sports anchor? Which, while we're talking about this, I'm sorry, I have to hear about the Comedy Central skit. <laughs> because I go, oh my gosh, I was like trying to so do my funny. research, and I was trying to find it, and I'm like, where is this? I want to see it. Could you find any? I have no, to look and see. It was so long ago. My daughter, who's 12, she was a baby whenever I got this oh. gig. But it was the coolest thing. I, I was working as an anchor at Fox. Mm-hmm. Um, Fox Sports, and I get a Facebook message from Comedy Central, right? Yeah, <laughs> you're like, this is real. Yeah, and I was like, this is not real. Yeah. Yeah. And they were like, hey, we're putting together like a satire show. We think you'd be good for this role. And I'm like, I'm not an actress. I don't know how to act or anything. And they were like, we don't want, you don't have to. You're, most of it is like teleprompter. You're playing a sports anchor. Like, you'd be able to do it. And so my job at Fox, they actually like did my audition tape for me like after one of my shows That's so funny. <laughs> it was crazy they did my audition tape and I got the job it was the most insane thing and people think yes like sports casting can be sort of glamorous I guess in a way but like the acting was like it was next level I mean I had like a dressing room and all of this stuff that I wasn't used to so I went to New York we shot all of the episodes um, I want to say within a two or three week period. So I was kind of, I'd be there for a few days and then home and then I have to go back. And our daughter was, she was a baby. She had to be seven or eight months old. Um, and I went and did that and it was just so interesting. I mean, that you do so many takes of, of everything. And, um, the show was called the onion sports dome, I think, but yeah, it was just a satire of sports center. And be yeah, yeah well, I'm going to have to look and see if it's on YouTube because it's one of those things that I'm like, I got to show my daughter this. Like I actually was on a TV show, a real TV show. Um, but yeah, so I think the the first episode debuted, got great ratings and it kind of went down from there. <laughs> so it only went one season, That's so but oh it was gosh. really cool. It was I really bring that cool. up because I just feel like you have to have a good sense of humor and kind of yeah. be able to laugh at yourself. Um, when dealing with that criticism but that's just so funny um (laughs) but when you asked about dealing with criticism and all that stuff honestly for the majority of my career twitter did not exist and so I did not deal with it as much as people who are on tv right now deal with it it was only during like my later years I believe is when I finally got on twitter and I know I wasn't on instagram at all and um I'm a pretty person with pretty thick skin and so it was not as bad as what I see people dealing with now I will say that um but I mean I just I block people (laughs) you know what I mean it is what it is I think I during during the tournament someone it was I can't I think it was maybe our first round game March Madness yeah during the March Madness tournament and I got on Twitter and I saw someone that said like I'm really disappointed in our hogs that was the comment and I just went off and I was <laughs> like I will be blocking everyone who says anything in the realm of I'm disappointed in our hogs oh, gosh. <laughs> and no. I just went on a spree I was just blocking everybody it was one of my oh, most liked tweets of 2022 that's hilarious <laughs> no sometimes you have to I'm I mean, like come on people yeah I'm like if you're disappointed I don't know yeah. what you were Four years ago. <laughs> you know Me what I mean? my friends, we were all in Florida at the second round game, or second or third round when we were playing Gonzaga. And I have so many Gonzaga family members that are all in Spokane, Washington. So I was texting them and then all of our friends were on spring break and we were watching it and we went nuts. And we were in this kind of like complex 
And uh, we beat Gonzaga, obviously, as we all know. Yeah. And um, we went outside, and there were so many hog fans in Rosemary Beach, of all places. Yeah. And we went outside, and everyone was calling the hogs on the balconies, and it was, like, one of the coolest things oh, it's I've the ever, best. like, everywhere. I, I love the calling the hogs so much. It's like, if you are a hog, it's the best thing ever. And if you are not, it's probably the most annoying thing ever. <laughs> yes, I completely agree. Nothing's what does it better. feel like to, like, I'm sure as a sports anchor, you saw, like, fan bases all the time doing their little spiels. And it, it probably is just, like, such a different experience to actually feel it and be a part of it. Yeah. Like, in the moment. It's what the is, best. Is it just like... Oh, it's the best. I mean, it's... I, like, I remember... I don't know if you guys are like this, but there's certain moments where I'm like... I remember, like, when people started calling the hogs, and you, like, literally remember how you felt in that moment. Mm -hmm. And it's just... It's the coolest thing. And it's... One of the things... One of the things that I just love about sports is how it just unites people from so many different backgrounds, ages, you know what I mean? Like, it just unites people, and it's like you're all in one place cheering for the same team. And it's really, really cool because there's not too many things out there that, that do that. Um, so it's, it's special. And I feel like that's what the calling, you know, calling the hogs mm-hmm. is like whenever I did that, um, the Q&A with Venus Williams and we got her up there and we got to teach how to call the hogs. And I know she thought that it was probably insane, but she probably thought it was awesome. They always do. Like, I remember (laughs) Kesha came here for the springtime of Youth Festival, and she didn't know what it was, and they just started doing it, and she's like, what is going on? (laughs) She was, like, actually visibly scared. But it's just, that's that's so cool that we do. It's, I've never seen a fan base like the hogs, Mm -hmm. like, that just are so united like the hogs. And I don't know if you can see that from, like, all the places that you travel, but... It's just so special that we share that. So um, I want to kind of pivot a little bit and talk more about you and your identity. So you mentioned you went to FSU. Beyond sports, what groups were you a part of in college that kind of helped you um, enrich or uh, develop your emotional intelligence or empathy? Yeah, well, I wasn't um, I wasn't uh, in any sorority or anything like that. Honestly, I've learned the most about sorority since being here at the University of Arkansas, because I really wasn't in one. Um, I grew up in a predominantly white area and really never got to have friends that were not white, like Mm -hmm. my whole youth. And so going to college was really cool for me because I had the opportunity to meet so many different people and finally have some friends that look like me. Um, and, also, you know, if you grow up in a, some suburban neighborhood, you're you might not meet people who who are in public housing or who are on welfare or just these different like financial situations too. It's almost like you are in this little bubble and you don't leave your bubble. Your mom doesn't want you to drive on the highway. You know, you you just kind of do the same thing. And so for me, that was um, one of like my biggest takeaways from college. Is I. You know, I just got to meet people from so many different situations and um, so many different financial situations. And that was one of the reasons why I didn't want to go to University of Georgia, where like my whole high school went. I'm like, I want to get out and I don't want to necessarily be around the same people that I've just, you know, went to high school with. And so I, you know, I went down to Tallahassee and I made some friends for life. Um, but that was, that was one of the things that I remember being so important to me. And it wasn't something that I like, tried to do you know it Mm -hmm. just it just it kind of happened naturally and um I didn't even realize how thankful I was for that experience until 
you know, I kind of graduated and got into the workforce and I'm like, oh, okay. Like that was, that was awesome. Right. <laughs> uh, well, you have quite a bit of public speaking experience from all the different angles, sports anchor, Comedy Central, <laughs> and now I guess just interviews and just being a part of the public life. Uh, so what are some tips you can share with us about putting your best foot forward while public speaking? I yeah. know I just saw an interview of yours and you said that Eric is actually, you say he's a better public he's speaker so than good. you are. He's he's really good. And like our daughter's really good, The twelve, really? who's 12. She's so good. Um, and first of all, you have to realize that it really is a gift. Not everyone is comfortable doing that. Not everyone wants to get up on stage and talk in front of people. You know, everyone has their different talents. And so I think realizing that and all, and knowing that if that's not your thing, that that's okay, you know, but you can work on it and get better. And, um, one of the things like with interviewing, and you guys are doing a great job of it right now is honestly listening to the answers <laughs> because some people you get so nervous about like getting all the questions right or saying a word wrong or you know what's coming next that you get the answer and then you didn't really hear the answer you know what I mean because you're in your head worried about the next thing that you're going to say yeah. and um I like to work with our athletes we I have like kind of like a whole um I do I have a whole powerpoint because a lot of them didn't do much public speaking and then you're all of a sudden thrown into this atmosphere and now you have to do a lot of public speaking yeah. and um, a lot of people aren't comfortable with it so listening is the first one and um, you know just if you're speaking cutting down on the um like you know mm-hmm. I, everybody does that yeah, I do that <laughs> it's the and hardest thing, thing. Mm-hmm. and uh, what I always it's my my biggest tip for my players because they want to know what do I do if they ask me some sort of like tricky question that I don't want to answer. And I say, you answer the question that you want to answer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you can kind of work yourself around it. And, you know, you don't have to answer the questions that you don't want to answer. Don't let a reporter try to trick you into saying something that's going to be like detrimental or controversial or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Maybe in the future you can be a PR manager for someone. Maybe. I know, I know. <laughs> so exciting. Um, we kind of touched on this briefly, talking about like identity um, with your, you kind of mentioned it in your Venus Williams interview. Um, so how do you kind of like anchor into that while also maintaining that like GM of hashtag Whistlebit, <laughs> as you uh, like to say? Um, you know what? It's It's been a process because with Eric and myself, like our lives have gone from whenever we first met, he was not working. He was a single dad to my two stepsons, and I and I was working. And then we got into a session of life where we were both working. Mm-hmm. And then we all, then we th- had my daughter, so three kids, both working. He's traveling. I'm traveling all the time. It was like mass chaos. And then we got into a session of life where he was working, and I was not working. And then he became a head coach. Mm-hmm. And so that's whenever I really had to like step up and start doing a lot. Of, more things like with the recruiting and with the parents and with our players and all that kind of stuff. Um, And then I'll even add on to that. I kind of fell into loving philanthropy. So Mm -hmm. that's, um, you know, that's just, that's just another layer. I think it's just, um, I I don't know, honestly, I don't know how we managed it. You know what I mean? It's, it's it's crazy. It just kind of has, it just has kind of worked out and we both are really, um, people that are passionate people and we both are on the same page as far as vision and 
goals and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, we kind of just know we have to just be flexible and, and move and do the things that we need to do in order to achieve some of the goals that we've set for our family and career wise and all that kind of stuff. So, um, I don't know the flexibility. It's, it's just worked out. That's awesome. <laughs> just worked out. Yeah. We were talking about quotes the other day in the office and there was one that kind of stuck out to me. And it was like, life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you react to it. I is, love that. Yeah. yeah. I, that kind of reminded me of that quote and I kind of just wanted to include That's that. That's what it but. is. I love that. And it, it's so true because if you would ask me, I mean, there was a time whenever my husband didn't like college basketball was not even necessarily a goal of his. I, I think he wanted to go back to the NBA. Mm-hmm. And so now to think that, okay, now years later, here we are, you're the head coach of the university of Arkansas. It's, you know, you just never know. Um, what life is going to give you, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, he was an assistant coach at uh, Golden State, right? He was the head coach head at co- Golden head State. Head coach at Golden State, yeah. sorry. Oh no, 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 no. <laughs> I, I can't even remember all the stuff. Yeah. It's, it's just too stacked, really. Yeah. I know. Um, yeah. Have you always been such a flexible person, or is this something that you maybe learned? Is there, like, a specific experience? Because I, I think of you as someone that I really would like to be like, because... Mm-hmm. I feel like college just kind of made me come out of my shell a little bit more, but I, starting off, I'm, I'm an only child and stuff, and so I, when I came to college, kind of experienced, like, it doesn't always go your way. Yeah, I was going to say, you like things the way you like yeah, them. Yeah, so I have learned to be, like, a lot more flexible of a person, and it just, like, it's so much better for, like, your personal anxiety, and just to, to just feel like whatever comes at me, I'm going to, I'm going to deal with it. Yeah. It's going to be fine. So how do you, like, yeah. live in the moment? Like, how, how did... So it's, it's really interesting. I grew up moving a lot. My dad worked for Ford and I, as a kid, I think we moved like probably six times. I've lived in a lot of places and I remember hating it. So this, that's the interesting thing. Like I remember hating it so much, um, crying about it and everything like that. Now looking back, if I had not done all of that, I don't think I would have been able to like move in my career because Mm -hmm. as a journalist, it's not like being a teacher or being a nurse where you can say, okay, I'm in Fayetteville. Let me go get a job in Fayetteville. Mm -hmm. You know? So like for me in my personal career, I was in Macon, Georgia, which wasn't far from home, but I was there for a year and then I moved to Kansas city and then I moved to Connecticut when I went to work at ESPN. And this is all before the age of 26. And so had I not done all of that, I think I would have been really afraid to do all that, you know? Um, But because of that, having that background, I kind of grew up moving. I knew it was going to be okay. I was, I was okay with it. That doesn't mean it was easy, but I knew like at the end, I'm like, I'll be fine. You know what I mean? And um, so I, I'm really fortunate for that. Now, everyone does not move all the time. I'm like really hoping that my husband can win enough games and my daughter can graduate. <laughs> like, I'm like, please like... just let her graduate yeah. here. Yeah. That would be amazing. Mm-hmm. I, I really want that for her. Um, but, like, she has a lot of that in her. Like, she's not afraid mm-hmm. to, to pick up and move. I know she's going to, like, go somewhere far for college. That's just the kind of person she is. Um, and so, I, I don't know. I don't I don't know if, if I eventually just kind of, like, move so much because I remember like hating it like I said 
Um, but now I'm, you know, I was totally fine with it. I was really excited to come here. And I mean, I love Arkansas so much, but I don't ever want to leave. So maybe I'm not flexible anymore. <laughs> <laughs> maybe Arkansas but, does that. To yeah. People, so. Yeah. Right. I don't know. I, I just know that in the careers that me and my husband chose, moving was going to be part of the deal. And I decided that that was going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And you just go with the flow. That's awesome. And I know we talked about earlier when I was going over kind of like your bio and you mentioned that philanthropy is a new layer that you kind of discovered that you're really passionate about. So I want to ask a little bit about how you became involved with, um, I saw you were recently named on the board of executives for um, New Beginnings, NWA, read a little bit about it. And it's cool because there's a little, it's not necessarily New Beginnings, all of them, but like they have similar um, communities all throughout the U.S. So to see that come here in Fayetteville and to see that kind of manifest here where, um, you know, we do need something like that is yeah. really awesome. So it's, how did you come involved? It's so cool. It was through friends. I, I don't know if either of you know. Where are you guys from? I'm from Bentonville. You're from Bentonville. I'm, I'm from Grapevine, Texas. Okay. So I, if you just drive around, you would never know that there was a homeless per- problem in Northwest Arkansas because yeah. you don't see them. I certainly didn't. Like growing yeah. up, it's something that was definitely new to me when I moved yeah. here to Fayetteville. And for it being such a kind of a smaller city, I didn't expect it. Yeah. So. Yeah. And so that was my experience. I didn't know. I mean, it's such a great area. I just did not know that that was an issue. And then a good friend of mine and her husband are heavily involved in the New Beginnings Project. And they said, we really want to um, show you what is going on in Fayetteville. And so they took me out. I don't even know if you know this, but there is an area where people are camping. That, and the homeless people live in the woods here mm-hmm. in Fayetteville. I had no idea. And so we got the chance, like it's one thing if you go around the neighborhood and you say, everyone, you know, give us your old clothes so we can drop them off here. That's one thing. That's great. But to go out and I spent time with these people that live there, I heard their stories, I talked to them, I met them. And you can't go out there and do that and not say that you want to help. Like, Mm -hmm. that's how I felt. I was so affected. Um, And so they told, you know, they showed me the area. I got to meet some of the people that were homeless. And then they told me about the whole New Beginnings Project. And for anyone who doesn't know, it's um, a transitional housing. And so it's just, it's meant as a bridge to get those people, you know, out of being homeless into these transitional homes where they can live until they can get back onto their feet and then move into some affordable housing. And so it's so great because some, some people, everyone has a different story of why they're homeless, but some of these people, they don't even have like a driver's license or a cell phone or anything that would put them in a position to like get a job or anything like that. So they get into this place and they have like people that help them with all these things and help them with their health care and all those different things. So Anyway, I went out there, I saw that, and I just knew that I could not say no. I really wanted to help, and they asked me to join the board, and so I joined the board. Um, But we are blessed with the platform that Eric has been given because of his job. And I know that because of that, I'm able to get a lot of things done that, like, somebody else might be able to do. And so if you don't take care, if you don't take advantage of that platform, I just... That's not me. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't even know. I, so because of that, I I'm I just want to do as much good as I can. You know, mm-hmm. people aren't going to care what he or I have to say forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so while while they do, I want to do as much good as I can. While you have the yeah. Hong Nation listening. You're like, yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. He goes on a losing streak. No one is going to want to meet with me. Uh-oh. 
<laughs> I'm sure they still would, but I would want to. So, um, kind of brings us full circle to, um, back where you were saying, um, they all have different stories. It kind of reminded me in the beginning of our conversation, we touched on how different athletes have different, um, things going on in their lives and it affects their behavior. And you have to have that empathy that we've been mentioning so many times throughout the episode. Yeah. Um, and it just, it's so interesting how it relates to different parts of life and different people's paths, mm-hmm. for example, with new beginnings. And then with Arkansas Razorbacks basketball, it's just, that's just mind blowing to me how those two things can be so connected and so like integrated together. Um, I just think like, so my mom's a breast cancer survivor, so mm-hmm. I'm heavily involved in raising money um, for the American Cancer Society. So I know what that felt like and I know what she dealt with, you know, and, and I, I know what it was like to be in the hospital with my mom whenever she was sick. So because of that, mm-hmm. If anyone else said, oh, I had this family member that was just diagnosed with cancer, then, you know, I have an extra layer of feeling for them and mm-hmm. wanting to help them. And so it's just, you know, you take anything, anything, and if you have any, you know, personal connection or knowledge, you just feel for that person so much more and and can be so much more helpful to that person as well. Yeah, I completely yeah. agree. My um, aunt, who I was really close with, had a double mastectomy mm-hmm. a couple years ago because um, she had... I can't remember what stage it was, but it was pretty bad. So yeah. um, that's something I kind of you know. touch. Yeah, yeah, I can yeah. feel the pain, feel the, um, yeah. While we're talking about sort of like the different stages of life and how you're able to like kind of cope in different ways um, and just use your past knowledge as like a way to get into your future, I guess, like as a way to like kind of like leverage your future. Um, you've talked about, you have... You have role models as a sports anchor. You've talked about Robin Roberts, Pam Ward, Linda Cohn, and Pam Oliver. Is there someone you would consider at this stage of your life like a role model to you? Like, is there anyone that you see and really look up to? Um, honestly, right now, I it's it's other coaches' wives that I've met who are doing a lot um, with and philanthropy and gotten me involved. Yeah, she's a she's a friend of mine, Margaret McCaffrey. Her husband is the head coach at Iowa. And, um, I, I just met her, you know, at like a coach's retreat or whatever, but she does so much work with American Cancer Society and, um, she is on the national board and she's the one that got me involved with the, uh, the coaches versus cancer wives committee, which I'm the co-chair of. And so I'm so like thankful for her to say to me, you know what? She said, you know, they need someone who's not afraid to talk and who is, you know, has leadership capabilities and all that and I was like yeah you know what I I think I do want to do that and and had it not been for her like kind of giving me that push and you know saying you know what you can do this you can you can lead you can make things happen um I don't know how involved I would be and so she really like opened that door for me and it's just led to so many different things and it's really cool it's beautiful I'm like yeah I'm gonna cry (laughs) I was going to say, like, on the other side, I know that a lot of people look up to you. I mean, Jackie and I, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you had to, so to wrap it up, if you had to give um, young business professionals, more specifically, like, female or P- POC, what would you say to them? Like, what do you yeah. want to end on? The one thing that I always want to reiterate to young people today is how important, like, connection and communication is. Um, just because, I mean, cause I've just seen it. I've seen it over gosh, 20 something years of people that I worked for as a college sophomore ended up hiring me years later 
um, you know, as a sideline reporter. Okay. So the world is so small. And so keeping those connections, making those connections, asking questions. I love, were you the one that reached out to me? Who reached I out to me? Yes. I love, I love the fact that you reached out to me because you have probably 10 other classmates that are like, how, how are you doing a <laughs> podcast interview with Danielle? You know what I mean? I did get that question. Yeah, see? And you say, well, you know what? I reached out to her. Because if you don't, you know, take that step and reach out, and I hope you guys both stay in contact with me. You know what I mean? Because just following up with these things, you just never know what's going to come down the line. And especially, like, once you kind of decide what you want your career path to be, then the world gets even smaller with that, you know, that career path. And networking, communication, following up is really, really important. And um, if you just do those small things, you are already going to be in like the top 20% because 80% of people are not going to do those things. Yeah. I love to hear that. And I can tell you've done that all your life as well because you're just, you have so much under your belt for such a young age. So Mm -hmm. no, oh, I would go up to people. I would be embarrassed at some time, you know, sometime when people wouldn't be friendly, I'd be like, oh, why did I just go do that? But I would go up to people and I would say, you know, I really want to be a sports anchor. Mm -hmm. And, you know, how did you get where you are? Mm -hmm. I I did that to so many people. And um, a lot of people had great advice. My aunt always told me, and I guess we'll leave it here. My aunt always told me that the worst anyone can ever say to you is no. Yeah. So it's that's true. Really it's fun. true. <laughs> but um, Danielle, we had such a fun time getting to know more about you and learning about all that you're doing and how you're really plugged into the community. And I think you just really embody empathy. So thank you so much. The more that I learn about you, I just feel like you were a perfect fit for this podcast. Mm-hmm. It's actually the season finale. Yay! So, <laughs> so happy you were able to join us. But if you like what you heard, please download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. While you're at it, follow us on Instagram at Wellmanusia. That's all for this week. We'll be back soon with casual conversations about professional things. All right. Biz Talk Buzzers. Sorry, guys. I'm just going to stick with that. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Danielle Musselman. Um, kind of bringing it back into our kind of wrapping things up. This is our season finale. So it's the last episode of the season. I don't know about you, Gracie, but I, I had a really good time. I think empathy was a really interesting topic. I Especially, think- I knew I wanted to do sports because there's so many conversations about how do we integrate, how do we incorporate empathy into you know, different industries that have notoriously been cutthroat, mm-hmm. super, not super laid back, mm-hmm. and really tough on people who are part of it. Mm-hmm. Especially thinking about, like, team sports, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, individual sports as well. But, um, yeah, I think empathy is super relevant to sports just because how do you be on a team with other people and your, like, your success depends on a large part with, like, what the guy or the girl next to you is doing or the person next to you is doing. Mm -hmm. And so I think – and also just empathy as a fan of that sports team I think is very important, and oftentimes we don't remember it. Like, I see these videos of fans, like, yelling their heads off at, like, like players that are just doing doing their best and just doing their job. And so I think empathy – yeah, maybe we don't think about it when we first think about sports, but it's – it's incredibly important, and that's why 
I'm so glad that y'all got to interview her just because she has experience with traditional company like structures, but also this kind of sport culture thing. And she did acknowledge how much things have changed since she was a sports anchor because, you know, when I asked her how she dealt with criticism during that time, she was not a sports anchor. Um, probably for the better during like the prime of social media. So she can't speak to, you know, what social media, what impact that has had on players, which is obviously negative, Mm -hmm. I would say. So, um, but I think she did note that she, um, is a part of the social media community. She sees what's going on between like U of A basketball players, um, and the back, the banter, the back and forth. And it can be a really beautiful thing because you can connect with your fans um, you know, get criticism online, but at the same time, you can also get really negative feedback. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that can be kind of like detrimental to you and your performance and your mental health. And yeah, I thought that was interesting. And, and, and wrapping back around to the team culture that you were talking about, um, I did ask in the interview how exactly, Um, business leaders can learn to incorporate team culture into the workplace and help build a more efficient um, team at work. And Danielle had an interesting statistic. It was like, I think like 80 something percent of CEOs have been uh, a part of a sports team during their high school career. So I think that's definitely an interesting takeaway, and it kind of segues into what we'll be learning about next season, which is company culture. What are you most excited to learn? Uh, I should have thought more. I should have thought longer about this before you asked me. Sorry. Um, I think, well, to be honest, I'm just excited to the variety of, of company, like company culture, quote unquote, that we'll be talking about. Yeah. Because a lot of it is stuff that, I don't have experience in that particular kind of um, career field or or some or something like that, but it does have its very distinct way of working um, and its very specific way of working. So I think I'm excited about the variety. Um, should we say specific things we're ex- excited about episodes? I or... think we can talk about some of the industries we want to look into. Okay. Yeah. I am particularly excited about. We were gonna. We were thinking about or researching um like the dark tourism industry mm-hmm. to talk about Gracie and I are kind of freaks yeah I I'm <laughs> really excited I'm also a little bit scared um so you know we'll see how it goes when we get there but just like I never ever think about dark tourism as a culture and and thinking about how they have to think about their employees but also their customers and things like that I think I'm most excited about that one And it's so, you don't think about there's a demand for, where there's a demand for something, you know, there's profit. Mm -hmm. So um, things like that, I guess we don't think about because they don't, I think, especially college students, we think about business and company culture in this like cookie cutter format, but the norms for a lot of different industries are kind of out there. And I'm really excited to learn about that. I feel like we're kind of going to be um on what's that episode or what's that program it's like weird jobs oh where the guy like does does the weird jobs um it's not like dirty jobs is it maybe 
I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I thought it was weird jobs. But anyway, it, it probably is. Probably me is. and Gracie are going. Gracie and I. Uh, Gracie and I. Gracie and I. Are going <laughs> I'm good for something. I probably am wrong though. Gracie and I are so pumped for the next season. But before we sign off, I want to say a special thank you to our podcast team. Gracie, thank you for being such a reliable, consistent. Uh, voice for our viewers um also thank you to jackie for being a part of this episode she was great um and a great host and thank you to sung min for being a host on the metaverse episodes i loved his expertise thank you to uh macy who does all of our graphics thank you cole and guillermo for all of our uh editing podcast needs which Everyone knows Gracie and I uh, need some extra help sometimes with those edits. Can you imagine having to listen to our voice over and over again to have to get the podcast episode edit? Like I... And all of the things that we mispronounce. I've actually seen, side note, I've actually seen Cole looking up how to pronounce certain <laughs> words because he's like, I, I'm just not sure about this. And I don't know if that's like a standard practice now for editing our podcast, But I also want to say a big thank you to Ryan Sheets and Liza, uh, the director and the assistant director of the BCL, for making this happen. So, um, Walton BizTalk Buzzers, thank you so much for letting us be a part of uh, your daily podcast uh, fix. And we're so excited to see you next semester. We're signing off. This is Savannah. This is Gracie. And we'll be back to you soon with more casual conversations about professional things.